Welcome, everyone. We're Simply Bitcoin. We break down the news, the daily fail, meme review, software releases, hardware releases, and the pleb sites. Joining us today, fellow Bitcoiner and host of Coin Stories Bitcoin Podcast. I'm talking about Natalie Brunel. Natalie, thank you so much for joining us on Simply Bitcoin. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Sweet. All right, Nico, we are diving into the numbers. Let's do it. Number time. Brought to you by Noddle. They make some of the best Bitcoin nodes like the Noddle Nojo. Run your own version of Bitcoin Core and the Lightning Network all in the comfort of your own home. Remember, guys, if you don't run your own Bitcoin node, you're trusting someone else's. That's a big no-no for privacy. So get yourself a Noddle today. At the time of this recording, the block height is 736,244. The Bitcoin price, 29,490. Chain rewrite day, 716. Total public lightning capacity, 3,794.34. Moscow time, 3391. Blocks to the halvening, 103,756. And the Samurai Whirlpool unspent capacity. Samurai Whirlpool is a coin join or collaborative spend. It is not a mixing service. And the unspent capacity from that pool is 4,675.19 BTC. Nico, the numbers. Numbers. Numbers are looking good. All right, guys. So today we're going to react to a video like we've been saying the last couple of months, we are making the case that Bitcoin is going mainstream, right? So just to kind of give you guys a reference, right? We've seen really in the in the last year, we've seen uh, Michael Saylor go on Tucker Carlson. We saw Marty from Tales from the Crypt goes on Tucker Carlson. We had our guest go on Tucker Carlson yesterday, right? So this is what we were talking about, that Bitcoin is seeping into mainstream consciousness. I'm going to play a quick uh, clip about Natalie going on Tucker. I'm only going to play a minute of it, but we'll talk about it in a second. So let's check it out. Like the broader stock market, many cryptocurrencies have been moving downward at high speed. Just today, more than $200 billion in value was erased from the crypto market overall. Bitcoin fell to its lowest price in a year. So why is this happening exactly? And should you be worried if you hold cryptocurrency? Nellie Brunel is the host of the Coin Stories podcast. She joins us tonight to answer those questions. Nellie, thanks so much for coming on. So people are watching this. Some people feel vindicated. Others feel really worried. What do you make of it? Hi, Tucker. Well, thank you so much for having me. Look, we're seeing a sell-off across the board. It feels like no one is safe right now. And I know that can be really scary for people. But at the same time, we shouldn't really be surprised because there's been so much excess added to the system. You mentioned it earlier in the newscast. I mean, the federal government has been printing trillions of dollars in the last few years. They were printing before, but it was accelerated as the result of the pandemic. And that money had to flow somewhere. All right, we'll stop it right there. The reason I want to talk about this, guys, right, obviously, is, look, again, Tucker Carlson is the second most watched TV host. Joe Rogan has 11 million viewers average on per episode. Tucker Carlson comes out of second place at 3.5 million, right? So this is a big deal. You're, you're, you're seeing this pushed into, you know, every day's Americans TV screen. Unfortunately, hopefully the people at Fox will not put XRP in the screen. We're talking about Bitcoin, but you know what? It's, it's, it's a good start, right? So Natalie, what have you seen change? Because you come from legacy media. What have you seen change in the last two years? Have you seen more mainstream acceptance of Bitcoin? Yeah, well, first of all, thank you so much. And thanks for playing that clip. I'm still kicking myself because I accidentally said Bitcoin twice instead of Bitcoin and crypto because my mind was moving 
so fast, but you know, you're right. I'm, I'm so grateful to get on that show because of how big the audience is, no matter what your politics are, we need Bitcoin to get out in front of bigger audiences to help people understand, especially those that aren't just watching the finance shows. And so for me, it was like on, on my goal list to get on that show. And I do see a lot of mainstream media journalists, some of my former colleagues trying to understand and maybe dabble. They definitely are very curious and they write me messages a lot. But unfortunately, um, and I was in this category, we do not have enough financial literacy in this country so that we create a, an industry of journalists that are knowledgeable enough to ask the right questions and to really understand why this technology is needed. Before Bitcoin, I did not know what money printing was. I didn't understand the history of fiat. I really didn't understand how it caused a lot of the problems that I was documenting and that I had experienced in my own life with my family. And it was Bitcoin that was the catalyst for me learning that. So I'm trying to encourage my former colleagues and, and the industry at large to just really take this seriously and, and learn about it. Don't just grab onto the FUD headlines and spread them because they're misinformed. They're not correct. They're not accurate. Um, and the last thing I'll say is one of the reasons why I ultimately was kind of feeling jaded and frustrated by my former career is I went into it thinking that journalism is very noble and, and it held the people who are in power accountable held their feet to the fire, which is something I wanted to do because I entered the industry right after the financial crisis when my family lost everything. I wanted to hold those people accountable. And over just the last even 10 years, I saw basically news stations, news news outlets, major ones regurgitating whatever it was that the White House said or federal agency said as if it was fact. Nothing checked. It was just like, boop, this is fact because some someone in the White House said it. And that was really frustrating for me as well. So I hope there's change that happens, but it's slow, as you can see. Absolutely. I, I'm actually hopeful about about the internet and the rise of and rise and popularity of independent creators rather than the legacy institutions. I think the legacy institutions have been captured. But Natalie, one last question to you is why is why is and this is very troubling and you see this in the political realm as well. It's only right-wing channels, unfortunately, that are covering Bitcoin in a positive light. If you see The Guardian, if you see The New York Times, right, just to give you a couple examples, they're always covering Bitcoin as if it's a bad thing. Do you think that's malicious or do you think that, you know, the, the what you were saying is that these people are not informed? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I really think it's because the left does not understand Bitcoin. And so they're not embracing these fundamental principles that I think are so important to their party and to their voters, like, you know, banking the unbanked, providing financial inclusivity, the opportunity for a wealth transfer, the opportunity for people like millennials and retirees to be able to plan for, for their future. Um, they just don't understand it yet. And I think that there are efforts being made, uh, especially with with really great Bitcoiners, the, the folks that wrote like the Bitcoin and the American Dream, which was a great book and they're trying to get it in the hands of every policymaker. But yeah, there needs to be a lot of, of work done. And I think the reason that the right has sort of latched on is because when you first learn about Bitcoin, there is really this big focus on moving away from centralized government, like a distrust in big government. Um, and really, I mean, when you compare the two parties, one wants a little bit bigger of a government that steps in and intervenes and provides stimulus and all of that. So I think that is like that initial hurdle. Um, but, you know, again, there's so many misinformed headlines out there. So I just it's sad to see because there was that great article put out by, I think, a recent college graduate from Boston. Steph, I think her name is Stephanie something. She wrote an open letter to Senator Warren saying why progressives should embrace Bitcoin. And I think everyone should read that because both sides should love Bitcoin. It's apolitical. Absolutely. We we totally agree. We have progressives on the show all the time. Phil, do you have any closing thoughts before we move on to the next segment? 
Yeah, I just, um, from everything you said, would you say that financial literacy is the biggest hurdle to, to Bitcoin adoption? Honestly, yes, because I learned about Bitcoin in 2017 and didn't fully appreciate it until I read books like the Bitcoin Standard, which made me literally study and analyze and understand the history of fiat, how the Federal Reserve was created, how money printing works, like how we're in this system of credit and endless debt. And so I basically had to unlearn what I knew. And, my, you know, my parents came here in first generation, but they made sure to move us to a school district where I would go to a good public school. I went to good universities and I never learned this stuff. So clearly we have like a fundamental institutional problem where uh, on a national level, people are not really learning other economic theories other than the inflationary Keynesian model, which who knew what Keynesian like economics was unless you got into Bitcoin, right? So, uh, so yeah, I think there's a major problem and I would love to see education change. To your point, you know, it, it was explained to us growing up very matter of factly. Like I remember sitting in, in grade 10 economics and it was just simply explained. Oh, well, the current monetary model that we use is Keynesian. And, you know, this is the story, you know, about uh, about John Keynes. And here you go. And that's it. There was no debate. I had never heard of, right. of Austrian economics. I never heard of Mises Institute. No. I never heard of any of these things. I know. <laughs> I know you're basically like brainwashed to just think that whatever we've been doing is is the right way. And it's hard for people to break patterns once they're like cemented deep in us. You know, I think that's why people have such a hard time questioning the fact that, you know, maybe our economic system is not the best one. I know we're the global reserve currency and all that, but hey, that could potentially even change. Um, so I don't know, but it's hard for people to question what they're really comfortable with. Absolutely. Phil, it's time for The Daily Fail. Brought to you by Swan. Check them out. Swanbitcoin.com. That's right. If you're a pleb and you're dollar cost averaging, this is the best way to do it. It is a platform by fellow plebs, automated savings plans, instant purchases. They've got an app coming out. The link is down below. I don't really know what happened last night, but I honestly feel like the social attack on, on Bitcoin has just picked up a notch and it's just gotten a whole lot creepier. Why am I saying that? Because of today's fails. We are going to dive into this right now. Let's go take a look. First one, former Meta lead launches Bitcoin Lightning Company LightSpark. And I know people may have mixed ideas about this, but I'll, I'll tell you why I think this is a fail after we go through it. So here we go. David Marcus, Facebook Messenger's former lead and previous PayPal executive, announced the creation of LightSpark, a company focused on building, exploring, and creating on Bitcoin's Lightning Network. All right, well, sounds good, right? Sounds like people are joining the ecosystem. While details are sparse on the products and services to be offered by LightSpark, a list of investors was provided for the company's first round, which included Thrive Capital, KOTU, Felix Capital, Ribbit Capital, Matrix Partners, Z Ventures, A16Z, and Paradigm. Now, for the people who don't watch our show or haven't watched it before, A16Z is the VC firm that funds the majority of the shitcoining. They funded OpenSea, they funded Solana, they funded Definity, and a whole bunch of other projects. You guys can go check out their website. So that right there makes me not so happy. Marcus is credited with co-creating the stablecoin project DM, formerly known as Libra, that was eventually canceled by Meta due to regulatory pressure. So he's credited with two projects that never actually took off the ground. Okay, so 
not, not that it really matters, but sorry, you know, like you never actually built something that worked. Not that that makes a difference in this case, but now you're just going to go and build on lightning. Okay, fair enough. Good luck with that. I just don't really like your backers. That's kind of my point. Now, the other piece to this is this, right? There really isn't much information, as he said, on, on what they're doing. And when you go to click on the team uh, and you go to the, their LinkedIn page, it doesn't actually pull anything up about the team. Click on people. See, see where it says people? Jobs? Yeah. People. I know, but this is zero Nothing. employees. Ah, yeah. And then okay. there's just people I may know. <laughs> so, yeah, and I mean, obviously, there's, there's David Marcus, right? So there really isn't much about it. And I just want to leave people, before we move on to the, the bigger part of the fail, because believe it or not, it actually, gets, it actually gets worse than shitcoiners trying to build on lightning. Um, I'll leave you with this thought from Eve over here. I love Bitcoin. Buy my shitcoin. Lightning Network Edition. <laughs> Then they fight you takes many forms. And here's a tweet, screenshot of a tweet from David Marcus. I wanted to share that we're starting a new company called Lightning Spark to explore, build, and extend capabilities on Bitcoin. And then down below, we're thrilled to be joined by like-minded investors, notably A16Z and Paradigm. And those are two of the biggest shitcoin houses that there are shitcoin VC firms. So don't get me wrong. I can, I can be objective and say, hey, it's really great that you guys are deciding to build on Lightning, but already, as Bitcoiners, we trust and don't verify. Nobody trusts you. Like, right out of the gates, you're just a scammer right from the start. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, Natalie, what are your thoughts before we move on to Nico? You know what? I even though it's really sad to see people's life savings in this whole Luna Terra thing this week, the thing that I love and the thing I think that this week highlights within Bitcoin and what you're kind of pointing out too is this is the most free market capitalistic industry that exists, you know? And so that means that risk is rewarded and it's also punished, which is what we don't allow to happen in the fiat system, which is our biggest problem. There are no consequences. And so as the tide goes out, we see what actually has real value. And so I'm a huge believer in free markets. You know what? Go make whatever project you you, you want to make, but you might you know be caught with your pants down. So um, I think that we need to allow for a system in which things that are meant to fail fail. And so I'm curious to see how some of these things play out. You know, I want to also be hopeful and optimistic. Maybe there's a turnaround in people who used to shitcoin and all of a sudden they believe in Bitcoin because, you know, there are actually a lot of people in the space that did go on that journey of shitcoining and then ultimately end up in Bitcoin. Um, but we just, I think I urge people caution when investing in this, do your homework, know what's behind it, know what you're investing in, know the risk because Bitcoin is obviously very different. And when Luna Terra thing happened, guess what we saw? Everyone's rushing to Doquan's Twitter page. What's he going to do? Oh, is he expecting, is he going to save it? No CEO of Bitcoin. You can't go to CEO of Bitcoin. That's the best part. So I just, I urge people caution, you know? Yeah, it's so funny, the similarities between, you know, like if you zoom out, right, central banking, whatever, it's like, let's, you know, let's look to this person to save us. Let's look to this person to bail us yeah. out, right? The similarities are striking. But yeah, Phil, I'm, I'm suspicious, dude. I don't think A16C or Paradigm would get involved if, you know, there wasn't some token. And when he said utility, does this mean utility token, right? So I'm suspicious. I don't trust this guy. But like Natalie said, I think most Bitcoiners started shitcoining, right? Most Bitcoiners that I know, they got in through shitcoining, they burnt their finger, right? And then they, you know, they realize what is the true king. So I don't know, man. I'm just, I'm cautiously op suspicious. Optimistic. Hey, <laughs> cautiously optimistic. 
we, we, we got burned, right? We've explained it many times. You know, we shitcoin got burned and got wrecked and learned, right? That Bitcoin is the Bitcoin is the king for a reason. Um, but yes, we are very, very cautious about A16Z and um, Paradigm. I think they're uh, the evil villain in all this, man. They're, they're definitely part of the group of evil villains, right? So Speaking of we, evil villain, Phil... The Let's next fail is some pretty evil stuff, bro. Yeah, the next one is the next one's really bad. This dropped last night and I'm just I'm just in shock. This is this is crazy. All right, here we go, Natalie. I don't know if you saw this yet, but we are going to dive into this. Here we go. Clint Ehrlich, let's take a look at this CEO of KRNC or pronounced <laughs> currency. Lawyer, former visiting researcher at MGIMO University, featured at Washington Post, Coindesk, PopMech, Fox News, Dateline. There you go. All right. So what is he talking about? The U.S. government has been paying me to build a replacement for Bitcoin and Ethereum. See, the hubris, they're just going to build a replacement for it. <laughs> Right, like because they they don't understand how Bitcoin works, so we're just gonna build it anyways. It's called KRNC, and it's a protocol that upgrades the U.S. dollar. Here's a thread on how it works and how it could increase the value of the dollars in your bank account. About to get sold, people. We are about to get sold. It's a very long thread. We've included it in the show notes so people could dive through this whole thing. But I just took out some juicy parts that I. You know what? I, I don't usually pat us on the back, but as plebs, we freaking called this. Okay, <laughs> we called this a long time ago that they would start to attack Bitcoin in this way. What am I talking about? Here we go. Bitcoin doesn't do anything to protect the value of people's existing bank deposits. It's actually a threat to them since it's a competitor. If your savings are in US dollars and Bitcoin replaces the dollar, then your savings will be destroyed. That's right. Bitcoin is the reason why the money's being destroyed. Okay? It's not falling apart because of inflation, incompetent monetary policy handling, none of that. This is Bitcoin's fault. We called this months ago. <laughs> Okay, hold on. Next one. One of the main arguments of this currency is that the early adopters of Bitcoin control the majority of the network, which, as we know, Bitcoin is not a proof of stake system. It is a proof of work system. So it really is irrelevant to the security of Bitcoin how much anyone actually holds. But take a look at this, okay? This is another tweet from Clint. In fact, it'll be in your interest to join KRNC early, even though he blames Bitcoin for this early adoption, because you'll be able to earn extra FUSD. Unlike Bitcoin, KRNC doesn't rely on mining for consensus. If you own FUSD, you can stake it with a block producer who will pay you for loaning the necessary assets. So they are literally recreating the exact same shitcoin that already exists. Okay. And this is the kicker. This is the this is the kicker. KRNC isn't controlled by the U.S. government, by the government. R&D was funded by the U.S. National Science Foundation, but it's a private project. I, I want I want everyone to think about this. Do you like does anybody really think that this is going to replace a completely free and voluntary system like Bitcoin? This is nuts. This is completely insane. OK, let's go take a look at their website. This is the cringiest thing I've seen so far. Look at this thing. Don't buy Bitcoin. 
upgrade the money you already owe. Others have claimed it's a pyramid scheme. They're talking about Bitcoin. In truth, it's something even more dangerous, a technological <laughs> innovation that could make all prior money obsolete. That's great news for the early adopters of Bitcoin, but bad news for the billions of people stuck with old money. But you just chilled people to be early investors in Cape. It doesn't matter. Pyramid schemes collapse because nobody can be forced to join the bottom layer. Yet the early adopters of Bitcoin are betting that they can force the rest of the world into that position using the technological superiority of their money. They already control 85% of all the Bitcoin that will ever exist. And they want to force you to buy it from them. Look at this narrative, Nico. Like guys, are, like Natalie, have you ever seen anything like this? This is one of the funniest things <laughs> I think I've ever read. In fact, I, I just tweeted at Clint. I retweeted that early post saying the U.S. government was paying him to build a replacement. And I just said, hey, Clint, you don't understand Bitcoin, but we're here to help when you're ready. This guy's. What a scammer. <laughs> okay, and I totally agree. And just to finish it off, I had to go and take a look at their technological, quote unquote, white paper. We're obviously not going to go through it because it would just take forever. But I just want to point out, it's in the show notes, it's 104 pages of intellectual masturbation. I, I mean... <laughs> No joke. The, the white paper is nine pages. The, the Bitcoin white paper is nine pages. How to me, all I see is marketing. That, that's all I see is they are trying to market you like the fear that this coin is trying to produce and and the hubris to just assume that, hey, you know what? We're going to build it. We see that Bitcoin fixes stuff. So we're just going to build the replacement for it. This is scary. And we called it. We said that they we called that they were going to blame Bitcoin for the destruction of the value of current money. But we all know that this has nothing to do with Bitcoin. It was being destroyed for years. We've shown the charts a hundred times. Anyways, that's it for currency. <laughs> Dude, it's, it's crazy to what lengths governments will go to to try to remain in control and have that ability to manipulate their populace through monetary policy, man. It's, it's just it's absolutely dystopian. And, you know, the, 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 the page count is funny because the central bank, digital, uh, sorry, the Fed released, you know, there was a tweet and they said, look, you know, this is our initial CBDC paper. And that paper was 39 pages. Right. So what's up with these shit coins? And just they're, they're just more complicated. They have to just sell you the sizzle, something that we always say. But like I always say, uh, I think incentives are more powerful than coercion. And I think Bitcoin's incentives are going to win here. But it doesn't mean they're not going to try. Anyways, Natalie, what are your thoughts? Yes, of course. They want to maintain their monopoly on power. We sort of expected this to be a battle, right? Meanwhile, I bet they're secretly, if they know, if they really understand Bitcoin, they're secretly accumulating it for their own uh, stashes. But no, it's really funny, actually, what you pointed out about, you know, the length of these. Do you guys remember in college when you had to hit a certain word count or something and you'd just like be sitting through the thesaurus, like <laughs> just try, try to say the same thing 20 times? Um, I'm actually, I'm really grateful for my news career because I had to do the opposite always. It was always like you have to squeeze it in in 90 seconds so like take out the word take out the word take out the word so i'm much more you know of the of the of the schooling and belief of satoshi nakamoto say it as simply t tdl too long tldr yeah that <laughs> uh too long didn't read won't read whatever they they put out on that so 
Yeah, simple is better, right? Simple is better when it comes to money. And it's something that we've always said. Have you noticed that some of the, like, especially like with, uh, you know, the the financial crisis, 2008, right? Uh, Nobody knew what the fuck a credit default swap was, right? Like, and if you've read about it, you're like, it's so complex. They do that on purpose. Like, I don't think money needs to be that complicated, right? They would just like you to believe, right, that it's very complicated and then kind of tie this into what we were talking about in the numbers section, right? There's no financial education, right? I'm, Hey, look, there's mm-hmm. no conspiracies, but there's no coincidences. That's all I got to say. That's all I got to say. Yeah, well, and anytime that one of those like infrastructure bills come up, comes out or any piece of government, you know, it's like you have to read hundreds of pages and you know that the staffers and these congressmen, they didn't go through all of it and they hide stuff within random paragraphs like 600 pages in. And it's like it's super frustrating. I forgot how many pages the Obamacare Act was, but it's like no reporter read that as they were coming out and had to to you know share the news with people. So I agree. Simple, short is better. Simple, short is better. Phil? Oh, no, I, I, I was just going to say, didn't read, not selling. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But anyways, Phil, it's time for the Daily Meme Review. Brought to you by Citadel 21. They make the best Bitcoin cultural zines, stories, articles, comics by actual bit, uh, Bitcoiners. This is the artwork for Volume 10, and this is the artwork for Volume 11. It just came out, and they're scarce. There's only a 1,000 physical copies made per volume. Get your prints of Citadel 21 today before they run out. All right, everybody. First meme is by Swan Bitcoin. Let's check it out. Bitcoin meme of the day. The world going to shit, me buying more Bitcoin. Highly accurate. Like it. All right, moving on by Honk Hogan. Buy Bitcoin, only maxis, right? Terra Luna, (laughs) rug pull. All right, moving on, moving on. Oh, my God, this is savage. Okay. So, give you guys a little bit of context. This is Mike Novogratz, and he got a giant Luna tattoo. I hope he gets that removed. Is this some cosmic justice? That tattoo isn't even three months. No, it's uh, roughly five months old. I feel bad for Mike. I feel bad for Mike. That's all I got to say. All right, <laughs> moving on. By Dr. Bitcoin MD. If you thought that was entertaining, just wait until the Ethereum Ponzi implodes. It will be spectacular. <laughs> Not too long now. And it's an engine on fire. All right, moving on. Next one by Honk Hogan. We already have one Bitcoin for him. Let's put his inheritance in the most precious asset on the planet. Thank God my parents aren't degenerate shitcoiners. <laughs> All right, uh, Bitcoinator, when shitcoiners get wrecked, I will never buy shitcoin again. And this is what we were saying about earlier, right? And most people, they go, they become Bitcoin maxis because they burnt their finger, right? When was that for us? I got into Bitcoin like 2016. So that for us, it was like 2017, 2018 was brutal. Yeah. We learned our lesson and we went Bitcoin only. All right, next one. By BitcoinShirt.net, Bitcoiners explaining what's what it's like to hold. <laughs> Want to know how I got these scars? Very good, very good. Nat, last but not least, by a friend of the show, Jeff Ross, uh, meme of the year. Who do we trust? Dequan Luna holders. Who do we trust? Vitalik Buterin hold. Ethereum holders. Who do we trust? Dollar proponents. The Federal Reserve. Who do we trust? Bitcoin holders. No one. Yeah. Wow. Jeff, very very good meme, man. Okay. All right. Phil, for those memes, I'm gonna give a very, very special score. I'm gonna give it the non-mint Bitcoin Lego. It's the Bitcoin roller coaster guy. Yeah, yeah. You opened yours? I like that. Yeah, I, I built it, bro. And instead of Lego, it says Bitcoin. Attention to detail. Anyways, Phil, what would you give those memes? I just wanna point out mine is still in the box and I still have the uh, tape. Uh, so it, yeah, it really hasn't been open. Anyways, just pointing that out. I am giving it this fantastic, fantastic Swede Toshi original sticker. 
That's right. Very nice. Anyways, Natalie, what would you give those memes? I'm gonna I'm gonna give this owl mug because the owl stands for wisdom, and especially that last one. That was a very wise, wow, wise meme. What is that? What are the owl noises? Cool, cool, something like that. Yeah, Anyways, exactly. Guys, guys, we want to know if you agree with our scores. If you disagree, let us know down in the comment. Make sure to subscribe to us on alternative video platforms like Rumble.com and our personal favorite BitcoinTV.com, and join our Telegram group where you can link us some awesome memes to review. But anyways, Phil, it's time for the daily news. Brought to you by CryptoCloaks.com. They make some of the best 3D printed Bitcoin merch, like the famous 3D printed Bitcoin grenade toy. It comes in any custom color your heart desires. You want it in blue? You can get it in blue, but only on CryptoCloaks. And get yourself a 3D printed Bitcoin honey badger. You can take advantage of the promo code down below to get 5% off. All right, guys, we covered this when it came out, right? Here's a dying institution trying to hold on to power. Argentina's IMF bailout deal includes a wild clause that rips cryptocurrencies. That came out March 18th, 2022. They followed up. This came out May 5th. Argentina's central bank bans lenders from offering crypto services. The announcement on Thursday afternoon comes after the IMF month approved a 48 billion 45 billion loan facility for argentina that stipulated the country would discourage the use of cryptocurrencies and what's unfortunate about this is that argentina's inflation rate is one of the highest in the world its annual inflation rate hit 55.1 percent so in a country that needs bitcoin the most better said in a country where individuals need Bitcoin the most, here comes the IMF, which supposedly, right, is meant to help people, right, holding their country hostage so that the IMF could remain in power. Absolutely crazy, right? And again, you could have said, you know, you could have given them the benefit of the, benefit of the doubt initially. But, right, when El Salvador made Bitcoin legal tender, what did the IMF say? When the Central African Republic made Bitcoin legal tender. What did the IMF say? Obviously, these people are more concerned about power and control. Of course, there's no way to know that, but it sure looks like it than helping people. Anyways, Natalie, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I always hate these kinds of headlines. It makes you really dislike everyone who's in the IMF, right? I think that there was an episode that um, Peter McCormick did with Jack Maulers, though, where it, it made me feel hopeful because I think Jack spoke in front of IMF officials and there were some that were curious and kind of told him, you know, behind the scenes, like, hey, can you can you help us really learn this? But look at these headlines coming out. I mean, that's not going to help a nation that's suffering from hyperinflation. I've actually known some Argentinian people that literally they have to go around the government and try to, you know, either get money from the country, like literally they will fly there in order to take money out or help their relatives there. And they can't, I think they can't like purchase things like iPhones there. So you have to fly in and then you you can sell iPhones at a, an extreme premium. They have all, they basically are just trying to control their busted up, de destroyed monetary system. And it's really sad because I think that at least giving people the option to transact with Bitcoin, you know, obviously people are outside of the government, but if if they gave people some more options, I don't think that they would be, um, you know, promoting such such struggle and 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 challenges to its citizens. But the IMF is going to be one of our biggest uh, biggest battles to fight. I think. Yeah, absolutely. I also recommend reading this book, and it will make you change your mind about the IMF. And I also recommend reading the Creature from Jekyll Island, and you will definitely yes. not look at the IMF the same way. Um, mm -hmm. But anyways, Phil, what are your thoughts on this? More uh, more slavery through the legacy financial system. 
That's you know, what they want. Yeah, the, you know what? It seems like it, right? It seems like that's what these organizations want. But as you, you know what I mean, as you know, and as we've covered, it's really all about the power and the control, right? They, these institutions know better. The, the bankers know better how to rule the world and how to administer the money, as they think. Uh, but look, at the end of the day, the IMF, right? They're, they're made up of people. We're, we're all just people. And the incentives to Bitcoin are just superior, so as a result, right, even though they're a part of this body, this this organization, these people go home and like Natalie alluded to, right, these people went and spoke to Jack in private or, you know, so that was explained. And, and they, they were curious because at the end of the day, they're like, wait a second, this is better money. Like I may get a big paycheck from that you know, of this money that is garbage and it may still facilitate my life. But these people, don't get me wrong, they still think of their kids. They still think of yeah. their future generations. And deep inside, they're like, all right, I should, I should get to know this. You know, so again, these are, the, these are Bitcoin's incentives. You know, they can't, this is what, you know, this is what Alex said yesterday. You know, you can't separate, you know, the, the, the freedom from Bitcoin. And these people, even though they're part of these organizations, they're still humans and Bitcoin's incentives win. Yep. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that they're going to, you know, go gently into that good night. No, I think, no, of course. I think they're going to try to the very last minute to try to hold on to power. Anyways, more development on this, right? There's a social and political attack on Bitcoin, right? We covered this when it came out, right? MEPs. Uh, that's weird. I don't know European politics. Anyways, vote against European Bitcoin ban. So the Europeans, right? Uh, some parties in the European Union tried to make Bitcoin mining illegal. Uh, they, they were more successful in New York, in New York State. New York bill banning proof of work crypto mining poised to advance. Or we covered all these articles when they came out, but this just came out today. Hopefully, uh, this is a political win. Bitcoin mining in Norway gets the green light as the proposed ban was rejected. There's no, I like how they, I like how they did that. There's Norway. Huh? That's funny. There's no mm -hmm. way they can ban Bitcoin mining in Norway now. That's according to a majority vote passed by the Norwegian parliament on Tuesday. The proposal to ban Bitcoin mining in Norway was first suggested in March this year by the Red Party, Norway's Communist Party. In this week's votes, the proposal was overturned as only Norway's left-leaning parties, including the Socialist Left Party, the Red Party, and the Green Party would support a ban on cryptocurrency mining. The vote these parties lost was against banning large-scale Bitcoin mining. Here's a quote. Having lost this vote, these political parties will likely make one more attempt at increasing the power tax specifically for miners, which is now their only tool left in the toolbox for making life difficult for miners. Now, here's the interesting thing. Look at how energy is generated in Norway. It looks, it's, looks to me like it's all renewable. So what's the <laughs> issue here? What is the issue here? If it's not releasing, you know, carbon dioxide into the atmosphere, what is the problem, right? And of course, the economics of Bitcoin mining would make it so clearly that energy isn't in demand in Norway, because if it was in demand, then it would be too expensive. So here's the thing, right? And this is starting to make a pattern. It's the left wing parties in the United States, the Democrats, which control New York State. They were behind the, the Senate committee called Cleaning Up Cryptocurrency. It was also the left-wing parties in, in Europe and now the left-wing parties in Norway. Why is the left, including the media, so against Bitcoin if supposedly the left is about the unbanked? Very strange. And we were actually one of the first to call it. We said, listen, this is very troubling. This is starting to form a pattern. What is going on here? I do not think Bitcoin is a partisan issue. 
It should be bipartisan. But what's happening is it's becoming a partisan issue, and that is extremely, extremely disappointing. We've had progressives on the show, and we've tried to ask them these questions, but we haven't had any good answers. Is this going to continue doing this? I don't know, man. But look, I, I, I immigrated to the United States. I'm a first-generation immigrant. I came from Venezuela. Venezuela was destroyed by social, socialism. So to me, the answer is because they would like to hold on to power. That's my answer, but I'm very, I'm, I'm very clear that I'm biased in that answer as well. So if anyone has a good answer for that, please let me down in the comments. But first, I'm going to pass it to Natalie. Natalie, what's going on here? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but I really think it's just being uninformed, uneducated. And that's why we see these ESG narratives being pushed. People don't understand nuclear and the power that we would have if we embrace that type of um, power generation. And so unfortunately, these narratives continue to spread and people think that they're doing justice. And that's really what, you know, a lot of these movements are about. It's about being kind and and saving the planet and all of that. And it's it's because the homework was not done, unfortunately. And it doesn't, it, it's not, that, that homework takes a little bit of, of, of time and intensive study. So um, I think that that's what ultimately is happening here. We need to see more pushes to educate policymakers. Um, and unfortunately, you know, I you pointed out socialism, right? I really agree with that saying and that the memes that exist out there that are like, uh, hard times create strong men, strong men create easy times, easy times create are, you know, weak men. And now, and now like we're in that stage, we're in the stage of like weak men are just promoting these narratives and making it very difficult. And it's, what's sad is like, you know, I get it that these people don't necessarily have bad intentions because they don't understand. And I try to be, you know, open and like what Michael Saylor says, cheerful and constructive, but sometimes you just want to shake him and be like, you are so wrong on this, you know, <laughs> listen. Um, so yeah, that's, I ultimately think this is happening because people are uneducated and misinformed and they're moving down the path that they think is like righteous well what is uh what is that famous saying the road to hell is paved in good intentions or something like that yes so, yes uh, i is that a political answer natalie what do you mean is that a political answer do you actually feel that way i look i, I again mm -hmm. I'm, I'm obviously biased right but how, how could you believe that after all these, you know, it's just, it's occurred many times. I understand if you would believe that if it was a fluke, right? If it happened here, if it happened here, but how could it be after all the hard work by Nick Carter, after all the word hard work mm -hmm. by sailor, they did the homework, they did the research. These people have access to that research. Why are they still pushing false narratives? What the, the Huffman letter to the president, to the white house, quoted a paper that was debunked many years ago so it, it look it really looks like to me this is malicious on purpose yeah i mean i never want to think that that's the case i certainly think that politicians there are politicians that are so corrupt that you know they honestly don't care about what happens to their constituents and and the greater good if you will but at the same time i also think that there's it's it's almost like power in numbers, right? Like you don't want to go against your party. You don't want to go against the grain and you don't want to listen when people challenge your views. And as a, when I was a reporter, I covered a lot of elections. I covered a lot of politicians. I covered a lot of public corruption. It was one of the things that I actually loved the most because I mentioned earlier, I wanted to hold these people accountable. And I became so jaded about politics in general. One of the things I love about Bitcoin is you're right. It is bipartisan, it's apolitical, doesn't give any, any amount about these guys who's in office and it decouples money from power, um, which is what I want. But ultimately, you know, 
I think that people get in office and then they get in, they, they're part of their party and they're rising within that. And it's an echo chamber and like whatever you can't, you can't counter the views of your echo chamber. And sadly, we only have two parties here and they go toward one narrative and unfortunately media follow whatever that narrative might be on either side. And it's sad. Like there's a lot of work that needs to be done, but I, I do think it's more of a reflection of sort of like group think and overall misinformed culture, as opposed to like, I don't want to think that all the people that represent us are malicious and want, you know, want to crush the world and control it. (laughs) That's the tragedy of it. Right. And Phil and I, we've had conversations about them. Like, dude, how tragic would it be? Because that's what the left represents. The left represents the little guy. The left represents the person that, you know, is, is on the, on the bottom end of the economic spectrum. It would be tragic if the, you know, the politicians were more so about power than helping the little guy. That would be the tragedy of it. Um, I really appreciate your optimism on that. Um, <laughs> so know. perhaps I will take a little bit different perspective. Anyways, Phil, uh, what do you believe, my friend? <laughs> All right, what do I believe? <laughs> so um, just to go back to something I mean, that dude, Natalie- we've been we've been yeah. covering this for eight months. Uh, Natalie, we had the same opinion as you did in the beginning. We had the same, it's like, no, whatever. but. You start to do the research, right? You hear the same the same language by the World Economic Forum. And here's the here's the worst part, Natalie, is that not only are they attacking Bitcoin, but they're also advocating for proof of stake. Every single mm-hmm. one. The politicians in Europe, right? They were caught red-handed. Uh, some text messages yeah. slipped out. They were openly attacking Bitcoin. They're advocating for Ethereum. Right. You saw you heard the same thing in the Senate committee as well. The cleaning up yeah. cryptocurrency. They were bashing proof of work and they were advocating for proof of stake, which doesn't work. Right. So, Phil, what are mm-hmm. your thoughts? Sorry to interrupt you. Oh, no, not at all. They were willing to go so far as to cite a paper that had absolutely nothing to do with an attack on proof of work. There was a paper that was made by a bunch of students that had to do with learning uh, how to publish a paper. Uh, so anyways, that, that was also part of it. Um, but look, a couple of things. I mean, I think we all sound like broken records to Natalie's point, right? We, we definitely all do. Um, and the business of politics, unfortunately, is the, the business of division. You know, like it's, it's always, well, if you're not for a party, then you must be against them. And, and that's not always necessarily the case. Like just because you're not just because somebody isn't willing to take on one specific solution, it doesn't mean that you can't come up with something that is mutually beneficial. But I think the big problem is is that people don't want to do the work. Again, this goes back to proof of work. Look at the attacks we get on proof of work. Everybody, it's the toughest thing to do. The toughest thing to do is the proof of work. The easy thing to do is the proof of stake. So again, we go back to, you know, we go back to human laziness. Um, I just want to finish off though by saying the ESG proponents. Um, When it comes to the ESG proponents, I, at this point, after arguing with them for so long on Twitter, I've come to the conclusion that they're just so in love with the idea of what they think they're doing that they actually have no clue that what they're doing is nothing. Like it it doesn't do any, like I, I don't understand it's, there's so much hypocrisy. And I mean, you know, humans are humans, right? Like we're not, we're, we're, none of us are perfect. We're all learning, but it's like, we, we provide counter narratives to them all the time. We provide papers to them, uh, you know, different people like Eric, I don't remember what his last name is, like the Halton House or something like, like these people don't want to hear this. It has nothing to do with learning. And this is the issue. You have, you have a group of people. And again, it has nothing to do with the political spectrum, just this certain group of people that choose not to engage and be objective and learn about it. 
So I, I think that, look, it's just an uphill battle. And I do think that the, the, it's a bit nefarious to a certain extent. At this point, I think it's nefarious. Maybe I got so jaded by my experience that I'm just biased. But I appreciate you guys for still believing in, in you know, some people's good nature. Uh, so anyways, I'll leave it at that. But anyways, Phil, there was an open source software release today. Why don't you tell everybody about it? Software releases brought to you by CypherSafe. Check them out. CypherSafe.io. Don't store your seed on paper, that flimsy little paper that they give you with the hardware wallet. It's not enough. Store your seed in the Cypher wheel or the all new Cypher grid. They both come with a tamper resistant wire, but the grid also comes with a punch tool. All right, we've got Sparrow Wallet version 1.6.4 beta 1 that was released. That's right, pretty crazy. Anyways, the link to that is down below in the show notes. Don't forget to check us out on our audio-only platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. If you want to stream us sats, check us out on fountain.fm. You could stream us sats through Breeze. Awesome. Thank you, Phil. All right, guys, before we go, quick shout out to our awesome clothing sponsor, RepresentLTD.com. Phil and I wear the hoodies every single day. You can take advantage of the promo code down below to get 10% off. 10% off. I also want to give a very special shout out to our awesome guest. You can go give her a follow on Twitter at Nat. No, sorry. At Nat Burnell. And definitely go check out her podcast. It's called the Coin Stories Podcast. You can listen to it on iTunes, Spotify, Audible, and she has a YouTube channel as well. Guys, that was the show. If you enjoyed the show, you know what to do. Smash that like button. And of course, you want to continue hearing the Bitcoin news from the plea pleb perspective and the catastrophic fails. Definitely consider subscribing to Simply Bitcoin. And we'll see you tomorrow, guys, for a brand new episode. The attack on Bitcoin just intensified. Act accordingly. We'll